You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. We've been in this series called Faithful Instructions, and the faithful instructions are really like a triple threat against all that threatens you psychologically. And so we've looked the last three weeks at Paul's instructions to us to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. And then he ties those three together by saying, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And when we come to this, the idea of God's will, people often ask, well, I just want to know if I'm in the will of God. Like, have I made the right decisions? Uh, am I going to do the right thing? Um, you know, how do I know that God's for me? And if I make the right decisions, then hopefully his will will become more and more evident in my life. And we begin to question, like, am I truly in the will of God? But I need to let you know that there's a bigger idea than just simply God's individual will for your life. God has a sovereign will. His sovereign will is the fact that he can do whatever God wants to do. Why? Because he's God. He's got this massive, big sovereign will and certain things that he wants to do because it is his really right to do as God. Then God also has a moral will. A moral will. And a moral will is going to talk about the ways that we in the New Testament can look at Scripture and understand what it is that God wants us to do. One of the moral wills that God wants us to do is that we should be sanctified. If you've come to Christ, that you should be set apart to be holy. So instead of giving ourselves over to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, those kind of things, that we more and more say, God has set me apart for holiness and for purity, for rightness. And so we want to live as a sexual being in purity and holy and rightness. We want to live as a physical being in purity and holiness and rightness. We want to live as an emotional being and let God have control over our emotions in all areas. But God has a moral will and then Beyond that, there's, yeah, yeah, that's great, Dave. That's great that there's a moral will. But what about God's individual will for my life when I have to make a decision? And sometimes I just don't know what to do if I could, it's not like I just flip open the Bible and be like, should I take this job or not? And then you're trying to look for some wisdom that tells you whether to take that job or not. God's got his will for your life. In fact, a number of years ago, my kids were little. I've got three boys, and we were talking through the will of God, and I said there are five words that begin with the letter S that tell about God's will. And so first of all, God's will that you be saved, that you give your life to God. Second, that you be sanctified, which means set apart to be holy. Third, that you be spirit-filled. Uh, fourth, that you suffer, and that's actually part of God's will. We share in the suffering to Christ. And fifth, and I couldn't remember what the fifth was, and one of my boys chimed up and said, Circumcised? Not quite sure, not quite sure. Thank you. That, it almost sounds like it starts with an S, but it doesn't. And, you know, that may be medical will for your life, but uh, not for everybody. And so, in uh, the last one is that God wants us to actually be, to say thanks. And that we find that right in this passage. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But what about God's individual will for your life? Like, well, where should my kids go to school? Uh, what job should I take? Whom should I marry? Should we buy a house? 
um, should I serve God? And in which way at church should I serve God? What activities should my kids be involved in? What activities should my kids not be involved in? What would overextend us as a family? What, and we begin to ask all these questions about what our kids ought to do or not to do or ourselves, what we ought to do or not to do. And those are the kind of questions that you can't just flip open the Bible and find a verse that tells you whether they should sign it for soccer or not. But we begin to say, how do we seek God's will for the individual decisions that we make within our lives? And more than often than not, you and I just get to those questions and we just decide. We just decide. I'm there. Everybody else is doing it. I'm going to sign up. I'm there. I just figure out, hey, this is what the next promotion is. I'm just going to take it. And we, we just decide. Why? Because we're smart people. God's given us a brain. He's given us wisdom. But you never maybe ask God what he would have to say about those decisions. I mean, how many of you in this room, you've ever been trapped by a commitment or a decision that you made that you wish you hadn't, right? You say, ouch, oh, yeah, you go, oh, I wish I never did that. And sometimes we just compulsively, we said yes to something, we said no to something else, and we get trapped by the decisions we make. And sometimes we don't slow down enough to ask God what his will would be for our lives, particularly when it comes to the, you might have four or five good options. And you never ask God, well, God, which one's best? Maybe you just decided on your own. Well, if you're taking notes today, write this down. God wants his people to be seekers. He wants his people to be seekers. He wants us to come to him. He wants for us to have relationship with him. He wants us to actually ask those kind of questions because he has an opinion on it, because he wants to walk with us on it. In fact, Paul writes this for the people in the church of Philippi in Philippians 1, verse 9 through 10. I'm using the New Living Translation on this one. It says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding, for I want you to understand you might want to underline this, what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. He wants you to know what really matters. And then NIV will say, so that you may be able to discern what is best. There's a big difference between maybe good and best, isn't there? There's good enough, and then there's great, or there's better, and you want more than just good enough. And sometimes we come before God and we say, God, for my kids... I'm not asking, should my kids be educated? Of course my kids should be educated. But among the education choices, which one would you call us to? Our family, not every other family in the world, but us, should we call or each individual child? Should they, now I'm not asking if they should go to school, I'm asking which school? Should it be public school? Should it be private school? Should it be charter school? Should it be that we homeschool the kids? You're gonna have to decide, like, I'm not saying whether they should be educated or not, but what kind of education? Should they get? There's many good choices, but which one would you prefer to be best in terms of the life and the development and the life place and the moments that are happening in my kid's life? Which is the best for us? And you begin to seek God and ask him about those kind of decisions. So if we're going to be seekers with God, the first thing you're going to do is this, that seekers get wise counsel. Wise counsel. Proverbs 24, 6 says, surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. One thing kings never lacked for in the biblical days is plenty of people around with an opinion. Kings never were short of like, I just can't get anybody to give me feedback. 
I put out a poll and nobody answers. That was not the problem of Kings. Kings had many people who loved to uh, be able to share their opinions and they were invited in the court of the king and they could share their wisdom, they could share their opinion. They never lacked for opinion givers. What they lacked oftentimes is godly, wise counsel. And so in a sea of opinions, they were constantly looking for who's the one who actually will hear from the Lord, who will be a seeker of the Lord and would turn around and help me with that. And that's what they would ask. They would never lack for that. But you want to get wise counsel. You want to actually look around and get a lot of counsel. So I would say it this way. First of all, get as much counsel as possible. Get as much counsel as possible. Maybe your go-to person isn't just the only person you should go to on this decision. Maybe there's some other voices, other people that might need to speak into your life. But let me quantify that and, and clarify it because you can go get a lot of counsel but it may not be godly at all. So you want to get not only as much counsel as possible, but as mature counsel as possible. So you're looking for someone who's put in the effort to walk through spiritual maturity or emotional maturity or experiential maturity. Don't just ask people your age. Ask people who've been down the road, who've had to make decisions, who've lived more life than you have, who see what really matters, to see what's really important in life and to see what really matters. So you want to get wise counsel. Secondly, seekers think wisely. You think wisely. And a lot of you do this by nature. You'll consider what the pros and cons are. You have a decision coming up, and you're going to make a plus on this side and a minus on this side, and you're going to list down. If I go to this school, if I do this thing, if I you know, start dating this person, here's what pros and cons are of this decision I'm going to need to make. And you're going to be able to weigh out and see, hey, it's got some benefits here, but there are some cons. And one of the questions you should always ask is, how would this decision affect my spiritual life or the spiritual life of my family? You want to be able to ask, like, to think through it, the positive and negatives. Now, let me say something. Circumstances are indicators, but they should never dictate a decision. Okay? Circumstances are indicators, but they should never dictate a decision. So, for example, let's say you were driving down Interstate 5, and you're driving down Interstate 5, and you're just kind of thinking, like, where, where should we go on vacation next year? And a big rig truck passes you, and on the back it says, England. Then in that moment, you should never say, the Lord has sent us a sign. It's just amazing. I think we should go to England, okay, Heather? So just to let you know that as much as you might want to visit the British Isles, that truck passing you with England on the back is an indicator, but it should never dictate a decision. You ever get frustrated waiting around for an answer? When I was younger uh, and I had to decide where I was going to grad school, I com was coming up on completing college and I knew I would go to grad school, but it's a big decision because you're going to spend three years full time getting a master of divinity degree. So beyond college, you're going to spend another three years in school. And so there's a lot of good schools out there. The question is not, should I keep going to school? The question is, of the good options, what is best? And it was unique because at Talbot School of Theology was at Biola University where I attended, and my undergrad degree had a lot of combined classes. So they told me, literally, you can get your master's degree in about two-thirds of the time if you stay here. But if you go somewhere else, you're going to spend three years. And I began to just seek the Lord, and so my roommate and I, we would go down to the beach at night, and we would 
um, we'd uh, drive down and we'd kind of get to the beach and we'd split up like, you know, 50 yards apart and, and we would just begin to pray. And then on our way back driving to school, we'd say, well, what is God kind of talking to you about? And what about me? And we could just share with each other as we were individually seeking the Lord. And, and I began to pray regularly, God, where do you want me to go to seminary? And what, what do you, you know, want me to do? And I began to do it. I also had to do the work. I had to go visit schools. Went and visited Dallas Theological Seminary, Denver Conservative Baptist Seminary, and looked at Talbot Theological Seminary and a couple of others in California. And they're all good options. You're not going to tie God's hands by going to any one more than the other. They're all good options. But God, what do you want? What is best in my life? And begin to seek him about that. And so you begin to look. And I remember one day I was just frustrated because I've been seeking for a while, but I hadn't been hearing anything. Anybody ever been there? You're seeking for a while and you're like, I just, I don't know. So finally, I was like, I'm like, what? I should just ask God for an angel. Angels are messengers. He should just send me an angel. Have any of you ever wanted an angel or is it only me? Okay. So I wanted an angel. I was like, God, just send me an angel, right? So one day I'm driving down Beach Boulevard and it is like three lanes of traffic on each side and I'm stuck in afternoon traffic. And I just it literally was like, God, just, I'm so frustrated. Just send me an angel. Just tell me where I should go to school. And literally like right when I got done with that prayer, this guy hops off the curb and he runs over, I'm in the third lane of traffic, he runs through all these other cars, he looks through my sunroof in my little Honda Accord, and he says, hey, I gotta go up a couple blocks, can you give me a ride? And I said, yes, of course I can. <laughs> the angel has come, right? So, so this person gets in the car, and like, you know, I'm, I'm just talking, well, hey, what are you doing here, and blah, 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 small talk, right? And we go a couple blocks, and we're stuck in traffic, so it's pretty slow, and we keep going, I kind of turn the Christian radio up a little bit, you know? It's got your music on, bro. And, you know, and like we're, we're just driving up a little bit more, get a couple more blocks. And then, and then he, we get to the spot and he goes, okay, this is my stop. And I was like, wait, wait, don't you need to say something to me? And he literally stepped out of the car and he kind of looks back in the summer. He's like, thanks, man. And like, red light was gone. Lord, my angel, I was supposed to know where to go to school. You ever want to run ahead of God and just get frustrated when it makes decisions? Why doesn't God send us an angel? I think he sends us his Holy Spirit. I think he wants to walk through the decision-making process with us. He doesn't just want to give you the destination. And so sometimes he comes along and says, I want to develop this relationship. I want to walk with you. Just like any good parent would want their child to come to them and ask what mom or dad, what do you think about this? Can I get your counsel? Any good parent is going to love that. So what do we do? We not only think wisely, we got to listen wisely. And in a day and age of way too much information, we are, have no shortage of counselors. You go on social media, you will see pithy statements about all sorts of stuff that you think, oh, that might be kind of smart. You can ask and contact anybody with almost an immediacy that other generations never had. You have access to more information and opinions than anyone else in the history of the world. And yet we lack our practice to slow down and to listen to God. So how do we do it? How do we slow ourselves down and listen to God? And if we're going to listen, what are we listening for? Well, when it comes to God's individual will in your life, you're to listen to three things. You can't just pray once and think, well, once is enough. You know why? Because like if you're sitting in the car dealership and you're in the financing office and you're like, Lord, is it your will for me to have this card as your pen is hovering above the signature line? That's not the time to be praying to God about what car you should buy. The time is a little bit before that, but what would you do? 
What are you supposed to do when it comes to how do you listen to the Lord? Let me give you three. First, you got to give it the test. The test of time. Once is not enough. You got to give it the test of time. Why do you think Paul encourages believers to pray continually? I think he realized once is not enough. That he wants us to keep coming back to the Father, keep coming back to the one who loves us, and once isn't enough. We have to secondly give it the test of Scripture. That's the Bible. That when you're asking questions, God's not going to tell you to do something that the Bible tells you not to do. God's not going to come along and say, I want you to do this, and he's going to do it in a way that is against his moral principles in Scripture. He's not going to do it. He's not going to tell you to take a job that makes you so greedy that you forget God. He's just not going to do it. He's not going to tell you to commit violence against a person that goes against his moral law. He's just not going to do it. So we got to come to God and we say, I, as I'm listening, i got to be careful because there's crazy people in society who all the time say, God told me, right? God told me to do something crazy. No, no, no. What are you listening for? Did you give the test of time? Did you give the test of scripture? That'll tell you if a person was listening to God or not. Third, the test of internal peace. Internal peace. If you're seeking the Lord and you're asking him, and you still have a check in your spirit, like God's Holy Spirit is just putting a caution there, a check in your spirit, what do you do? I'll tell you what to do. You slow the process down. Whenever there's a check in your spirit, you slow that process down. A number of years ago, we were looking at planting a multi-site church in Visalia, California, so it would be a Sun Grove extension there, and there was a church that had been going through some transitions, and they invited us to come and, and maybe even come and take over the church, and so I went down there and preached three times, and we began to look at what we could do and think and dream about how it could be kind of, you know, a Sun Grove experience down there in the area of Visalia, and we just began to talk about these things and have a lot of meetings with the leadership of that church, and they were in some transition, and as our elder board began to look at it and have these conversations, we began to pray about it and give it the test of time. And as we walked with that, all of a sudden we noticed that as they were in transition, this church was in transition, we saw some stuff that raised red flags for us and we, it put a check in our spirit. And so what did we do? We slowed the process down. And frankly, we're really glad we did. That thing kind of, that church experience down there kind of blew up and uh, fragmented, and we were really glad, like, okay, God, that is not what you want us doing. But early on, it would have sounded smart. It would have sounded exciting. It would have sounded cool. And let me tell you one of the things I think God did in us at that time. I, began, I believe that God began to turn our transition through that experience to be open to what he really wants to do, which is launch a church, not in a physical location, but a church without borders, a global church, a church online, and I believe God was getting us away from the small thinking of one location and one physical location for one group of people and saying, my word needs to get out to everybody. And how are we going to do that as a church? But we had to slow the process down. Why? We had to check in our spirit. So if you're dating somebody and you're thinking like, maybe this is one I should get married, but you still got a pretty good check in your spirit, what do you do? Slow the process down evaluate yourself, your own motives. Is, is there fear and hesitation in you? Begin to let God speak into that. Is it the person that you should be committing to or not? Like just slow the process down. That's what you do when you have a, the, with the test of internal peace. Now, let me tell you this. You're never going to have a hundred percent internal peace. 
I don't know about never, maybe for some of you, you're pretty confident and you're like, ah, this is good. But for most of us, you're never going to have 100% internal peace because when you go through transition, when you go through decisions, when you go through change, you and I can't see the future like God has. But we can certainly have a high degree of internal peace to know that I don't know how it all will work out, but God is in this and we can move forward. So we want to be able to look at that. See, God doesn't give you and I the destination. He wants to be our daily guide. That's why he doesn't send us an angel as a messenger to tell you what your next move individually for your life ought to be. It's why God basically says he doesn't send you a text saying, this is where you should go to school, this is the person you should marry, and this is what your career is going to be. He just doesn't do that. What he does is he says, walk with me. Walk with me, and it's like we're in the dark, and you're going to have a flashlight, but your flashlight's going to point straight down. And as long as you keep your feet with my feet, we'll get where I'm leading you. But I'm not telling you to shine the light out there and at everything else and all the other possibilities, because what happens is we do, and then we see something, we wander off from God, and we've left the guidance and the counsel of God. We've stopped asking him because we thought like the process was too slow, or we just had to make a decision in a rush. And God is saying, come to me. I want to be with you in this. It's a relationship with God where we can rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. It's his will in Christ Jesus that we have that relational walk with him. And so we need to walk alongside him, not just ask God for the destination. Guidance by God is revealed both in your inner person and in your circumstances in small increments on a daily basis. So that means you got to listen when God opens doors or closes doors. That you were convinced it was your will for your life, that the life was going to look like this picture. Well, maybe that picture, the door closed. Maybe that relationship, the door closed. Maybe that job opportunity, the door closed. And what it means is God is opening up a new opportunity, but you got to pay attention when a door closes. You also need to pay attention when a door opens that you actually seek the Lord. And don't just say, the door opened, it must be a sign that that's the one i got to walk through. About two years before we looked at even coming up to Sun Grove, we didn't even know about Sun Grove. Uh, my family and I were in Southern California, and we were talking to a church in Santa Clarita that ran about 2,000 to 2,500 members. And we began walking the process about our family coming there and me being their senior pastor, and we began to seek the Lord in the process. And at that point in time, my kids were in junior high, and I think my oldest was about, uh, I think he was still in junior high. So... They were young, and we were looking at the process, and we began to have conversations with them, and in the course of that job kind of search opportunity where they were pursuing me, that we began to look, and I came to the realization as I sought the Lord that, you know what, that because of the life position of my family right now, and because of the size of that church and the demands of that job, that job would own me through the most critical years of my children's life. Would it have been a good career move? Sure. But would it have been the wisest thing to do, the difference between good and best in the life of my family? No way. I would have been an absent dad through the most critical years of my child's lives. And instead, then, we just begin, we closed the door on that, and we began to say, okay, God, what do you want? We would love to grow with a church. And about two years later, we got a call, and we began to walk the process, and we are so grateful now that we look back to say, look at what we would have missed, right? 
if we had just taken the career thing at the expense of family, but now we're looking and seeing my family has grown. They love the church. My boys are at the point where now that they're young adults and they may launch out and do other things, but right now as young adults, they love the church. They don't resent it because the church took their dad away from them in their most critical years. So you've got to begin to ask God again, what is best? The difference between good and best, what ultimately is best? Watch when God closes doors or opens doors. Number four, seekers act wisely. They act wisely. I see a lot of this right now in our culture. People be like, well, I just got frustrated, so I quit my job. Great, what are you going to do next? I don't know. I don't have anything lined up. I just prayed about it one morning, and I was tired of my job, and I'm pretty sure God told me to quit my job. Really? Did you pray about that for a while, or was that Tuesday, right? You know, like, what was that? And people will do that a lot of times. Like, it's like I passively sit there like, well, God, instead of seeking you, I'm just going to assume, God, you're just going to drop that person in my lap, but I don't ever ask anybody out. God, you're just going to cause this to happen, but I don't fill out applications. I don't go to any job interviews. God, I'm going to become an actor. Great. Do you go into any screenings or any, you know, uh, know, opportunities to apply? Nope. Don't do that. Just guys, just make me a great actor. Saw that a lot in Southern California. You're going to be waiting tables for a long time. And your restaurant, happy birthday, will sound really good because everybody can sing a little bit because they came from all over the country to be an actor or actress. And they aren't. So again, we got to seek God and we need to act wisely. So you got to seek employment. Send resumes, send applications, visit campuses, take tests, make the proper contacts. You need to work as if it depends on you, but you pray because it all depends on God. But he still expects you and I to work hard. You don't let the process be sabotaged because you didn't do your part. Do your part and let God do his part. And so you pray to him. I think most people are really tentative when it comes to the will of God. Like we're so afraid of making the wrong decision that we make no decision. And making no decision is a decision. You know what? It's called indecision. That's a decision. Making no decision is actually a decision. If I don't make that decision, I'm deciding not to. This happens a lot when people are choosing. Like how do I know that Jesus is real? How do I know that God loves me? How do I know that being a Christian is something that I would even want to consider or do. How did I know that faith is an actual thing? And people begin to seek. And I want to say, if you're seeking like that, this is the best place you can be to get those questions answered. The problem is, if you never do the work to get those questions answered, if you never do the seeking of God, then you're going to, by default, decide never to find God. Why? Because no decision is a decision. And most of our culture will put that decision the decision of their eternity off. They'll put the decision to jump in with two feet and wholeheartedly follow Christ off. No decision is a decision. It's called indecision. So we need to act wisely. And fifth on your outline, write this down. Seekers reflect to know themselves well. You gotta ask, what is my personality type? What's my spiritual gift? How has God gifted me to use my gifts within the church? You also need to ask not only about your strengths, but your weaknesses. What sin am I prone to? Listen, if you're looking at a job and that job requires you to drive through the part of the town that is filled with everything that you're addicted to, that may not be the best job to take. 
because you're putting yourself through the temptation every time you drive to work. You might say, hey, that's not going to be great. If you're going to take a job that always takes you away from your spiritual disciplines of gathering as the church, it might not be the best job that you could take. In fact, that job might be detrimental to your spiritual life. So you got to begin to ask, like to know yourself, what are my weaknesses? What sin am I actually prone to? We're all prone to different sins, but what's yours? And how would that work when it comes to an opportunity? How does that work when it comes to dating? How does that work when it comes to seeking out a relationship? You go around and ask, what do I do well? What do I like to do? It's important for you to do what you'd like to do. Do I work better with people or alone, right? Are you extroverted or an introvert? You don't want to be an introvert and be in customer service where you're on the phone 24-7 every day. That may not be the best job for you because you'll use up everything you have and then some and go home and have nothing or feel just really drained, right? So you got to know yourself well. Like, what's a good fit for me? Do I need challenge and change in my life? Like, moving forward, or are you like, I just need routine? Some of you in this room, you're great with routine. You want to know you go to the same coffee shop every day. You go to, this is how you do your lunch. This is how you do your work. This is when you check in. This is when you check out. This is when you work out. You just want to know routine. And others of us, we want change. We want adventure. We want variety in what we do. We get bored with routine. So know yourself. So reflect to know yourself well. Let God speak into that. Then given my abilities, my aptitudes, my gifts, desires, or opportunity, which decision would offer the greatest potential for my service to the Lord and to my obedience to his moral will. And you begin to seek the Lord, that God wants to speak to you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to lead you and guide you in your heart. And sometimes he's got to do some work in you and me in that process. But if we put him off and we put it off, then we don't ever end up seeking the God who wants relationship with us. We just try to go it alone. And Christianity is a relational experience with the living God. And he loves you very much. And he wants to do life with you. And so that would be an awesome way to do it. He tells us, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't those instructions sound pretty relational? Rejoice. Pray. Give thanks. It sounds like a God who wants a relationship with you and wants to do life with you. So seek him. Seek him in the areas where you wonder what's going on in your life. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just for a moment, I want to ask you the question, have you made the decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord? What does that mean? That Jesus Christ's death on the cross paid for your sin before Almighty God. And if you will receive his offer of eternal life, He'll make you a new creation. He'll make you spiritually alive. He'll give you his Holy Spirit. He'll guarantee you that you've made a decision that leads you toward heaven and not toward the other place the Bible talks about. And I just want you for a moment to say, God, have I been putting you off? And maybe right now you're realizing this is the time where I do need to make that decision. I do need to take a step toward God. And the way that you do that is just by praying. And so I'm gonna pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask you, if that's you, just to pray right in your seat where you're seated. God hears you in your heart, but you say something to him like this after me, to say, Jesus, today I give you me. I believe you died on the cross for my sins, that you were buried and you rose to new life 
because you're God. And I ask you, God, right now to forgive me of all my sin. Would you wash me as white as snow? Would you make me a new creation on the inside? Because today, Jesus, I decide to give you me. And right now, if you prayed that prayer, will you raise your hand anywhere in the room? or up in the loft and you'd raise your hand right now saying, today I made that decision for Jesus Christ. Awesome, all the way right there in the middle, all the way in the back, I see you. Anywhere else, today is the day you prayed that. Right over here on the side, <laughs> little ones, I love it. God, I just pray right now that you will just help us as we walk with you. That even today, God, there was something in this process that we just knew, okay, you're telling us, you're telling us, God. Um, that just stuck out to me. So God, would you walk with us and may we seek you even as we enter these holidays like never before that we rejoice, we pray, and we give thanks. In Jesus' name and together we said, amen. Will you give it up for what God's doing in and through and among us? Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.